Hey, Mabel. Hey, Tori. Hey, playwrights. Welcome to Hey, Playwright, a podcast about playwriting and life. Hey, Mabel. Hey, Tori. Do you remember what you were doing a year ago? So we're talking late 2020. A year ago in COVID years <laughs> feels like a decade ago. <laughs> but, but yes, I actually do remember what I was doing a year ago. I had an idea about a play and there was a call for plays. Reimagine new plays in TYA. So there was a, there was a call for BIPOC artists to submit and the application process was very lengthy and um, very time consuming and very, you know, at times like, but uh, you had time, right? Oh yeah. Well, I had time. Cause you know, yeah. what else was I doing with my life? But, uh, but yeah. Um, so I, I was, I was putting together an application to apply for this really awesome program that was brand new and was looking for um, a new way to to make theater for young audiences. Yeah, that's what I was doing a year ago. Yeah, How about you? <laughs> well, it's interesting because it, it's like this weird, surreal lost year, right? And yet, and yet, I think I, I felt productive. I felt like I accomplished a lot. I set goals and kept hitting those goals. And so um, it, it was like this roller coaster of sadness and loneliness. And, and then also there was joy and moments of discovery. And we started this podcast. So many flowers like blooms came out of oh, that. I like that. You know? So, so I, I, and, and to that point where we were talking about what were you doing a year ago, you did not know it at the time, but you were starting a journey that mm -hmm. is now getting ready to, culminate circle full <laughs> circle um in the 2021 tya usa virtual festival and conference and what's the most exciting part about it is that all of the playwrights that were chosen for this reimagined festival and there are eight of you are going to be featured the reimagine new plays in tya Inaugural cohort. So these the grantees are Jose Cruz Gonzalez, Samantha Miller, Ashley Aquila Rucker, Lee Cataluna, Kristen Eve Cato, Ramon Esquivel, Doug Robinson, and myself, Mabel Reynoso. And there are going to be different panels about storytelling that's featuring these artist grantees. It'll be about the artistry um, and the artists themselves highlighting on on each day the different playwrights and also then talking about collaboration which is oh my gosh that is why we love theater so much and so it'll be in conversation with the grantees and the host theaters which will yes. be super cool to hear from the 
the directors that all of you worked with and, yes. and also your dramaturgs. I mean, this is, this is just really where you get to celebrate what you, what you worked on. Yes. And I just have to say this about the pieces and the playwrights that were selected as grantees. Talk about really reimagining TYA. I mean, you think you know what TYA is. And I invite you, for those of you that are listening, that are like, oh, TYA, whatever. Um, I challenge you to to in- attend this conference um and it is a it's on a sliding scale right the mm-hmm. you can you can register and um sliding scale from 0 to a million dollars i mean TYA USA is a nonprofit that um could definitely use your bucks if you have to spare them but um if you have preconceived notions about what TYA is i invite you to check out what TYA is reimagined because these works are incredible. They are flipping, disrupting. Uh, and yeah. the creative teams behind it, the playwrights, every, right. these, these are all incredible artists. And it, it's just exciting to be able to have these conversations and to get to witness their work and enjoy it and go, Oh my gosh. And, and think about kids. Yes. Being in the theater, experiencing these works. Exactly. Um, So the conference is coming up. It's, it's going to be December 6th to the 10th and you can go to TYAUSA.org and you can register on today's show, we have two grantees. So I was a grantee, but we have two additional grantees, and we're going to hear all about them and their journeys and the amazing work that they do in educational theater. So I invite you to join me in welcoming Ashley Akila Rucker and Samantha Miller to Hey Playwright. Welcome, yes. Ashley and Samantha. Thank hello, you for hello. having us. Yes, so happy to be here. So we know Samantha, who we will call Sam because that's how she introduced herself when mm-hmm. we met her back in the day. So you may or may not recall that um, in season two, we talked about a class that we were taking with Idris Goodwin, and we were super excited and fangirling out because one of us, maybe both of us, are a little bit obsessed with his work. Um and uh, but we took a class, and that's where we had the pleasure of meeting Sam, right? Yes, that's right. Yes. Hmm. Hmm. And and I'm so excited to meet Ashley today too. So Sam, it's it's nice. You were saying before we started recording, it's like a reunion, and this is awesome. Um, and I am so curious to find out how. Um, the reimagined process happened for both of you? Like how, how did you go about applying? I mean, I have many questions about it <laughs> because I also, what what I want to let the listeners know too, is that the two of you are co-worker, you work together, mm-hmm, right? Yeah. So I would love to hear um, what your roles are the roles you play in life <laughs> mm-hmm. because you're in educational theater, which is also something we're going to talk about on the show today. That's really exciting. But if you could talk about how you found out about reimagine, how you entered the contest and 
if the two of you knew that you were applying and how <laughs> did that pan out in the office? <laughs> yeah, it's 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 funny. Um, it was about this time last year, which seems crazy that it's already been a year and how much has happened. Um, but we got, I got the um, email from TYA when they sent out their reimagine um, on the, on the listserv and was like, Oh, this sounds interesting. Um, I don't know. We should, I don't know, let me just send it to a couple of people. Uh, so I sent it to Sam specifically because we had been talking about writing and, you know, we're, we're on the same team. You know, we talk about the mini hats that we wear um, I am technically her boss, so it is uh, really funny to get to, actually not funny, but more interesting to have gone through this process um, with one of my team members in such a different way and outside of work as well. We're all very close at work, so it made a lot of sense to to send out the TYA, the Reimagine um, grant to the whole department. And I think there was actually a handful of folks from our department that that did the initial application process. And, you know, and Sam, you can definitely tell your side, but I felt like what we did and I was like, did you, did you apply? I think I'm going to apply. <laughs> I applied. And then, and then like a couple of weeks would go by and we we're like, did, did you, did you hear back? I, I heard back. Did you hear back? And um, I think we did that for like each one of the rounds and we would joke, you know, like if one of us gets it and the other one does it, it's going to be weird, right? <laughs> um, but luckily, we didn't have to worry about that. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and um, and, I, and we, we, we both were able to be selected and go through this process. But um, it, was, it, it was different, right? I know, Sam, I don't know how you felt if it looked different on your side. Yeah, I mean, for me, I don't remember you sending it to me at all. I do remember seeing the information for it online. Because, you know, Facebook is a wonderful thing. Facebook shares all sorts of applications. I'm part of so many different writers groups and playwriting groups and TYA groups. Um, so I think I saw it there first and looked at it, wanted to apply to it. And then it was probably a couple days later or recently after that you sent it to me, I think. Um, either way, after I applied, I knew that you applied, that a couple other people were thinking about it, even in our team some people were at least thinking about it. And I remember we were on winter break because the kids were out of school. So no one to perform for. So we were on our winter break and I was back home visiting my family and they barely found any time to talk to me because I was up there writing all of the different uh, essay questions and questions and answers that they wanted for the application. It was a lot. It was a lot. Was Wasn't a lot. it a lot? <laughs> it was like four. I wrote four essays. I wrote four essays and had to tell my heart story about this and that. And it was a lot. They really went in depth. So I remember spending a long time working on that and sending it in. And <laughs> definitely when uh, we were starting to go through each of the advances, I was like, would it be weird would it be weird if I got it and Ashley didn't, especially because she's my boss? Like, what would I, what would I say? Would I get fired? <laughs> would she let me go? <laughs> that was my worry. So eventually I, I got the phone call. Um, it was actually from Idris. And I think I was in his class or maybe it was like the last week of the writing for TYA class of his that I was taking uh, perhaps it was the week after, but they were lined right around the same time. And I got the call from him. It was early morning, right before a show. And he said, yeah, I just wanted to welcome you and congratulations. Da, da, da. We've selected you as a grantee. 
And I thought, should I text Ashley? Should I, should I text <laughs> Ashley? Or would it be like a letdown? <laughs> you know, if I'm like, hey, Ashley, oh my gosh, I got it. And then she's like, hmm. <laughs> you know, I didn't, I didn't know. So I just kind of kept that quiet. Me? That's what I sound like. Mm. I don't. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I imagined it in my head. You know, that, that, that was my, my nightmare imagination. What if, what if Ashley replies like, oh, good for you. Like, oh, that's great. So I was worried. So I didn't say anything. And then I, we did the show that morning. And I think it was shortly after the show, we were about to have a meeting and Ashley reached out to me and said, I saw you on the email. We both got it. Hooray. And I was like, oh, whew. oh, whew. good. So that is how I remember the application process going. It was long. And ultimately, in the end, we both got it. And I was very happy and very relieved. Over the moon. Over mm-hmm. the moon. Especially at that time, too, because it was unclear how many people they were even going to be selecting. Right. And um, I think they had like, close to 200 applicants yeah. like, throughout the process. So yeah. And each one of, I mean, maybe you know, like those essays and then, and then it was like, okay, the next round and this is the treatment and the, and I was definitely mm-hmm. starting very early. So it was like, just send in a pitch. And I was like, that's all that I have. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I had nothing on the page yet. And, you know, so really starting to build out that, that process, I really enjoyed actually, you know, that it really was more about that initial round was, the spark of an idea and really who you are and what you stand for and why you do this work and why you want to do this work. Um, so I think already we're putting, you know, intentionality first with this process, which for me just breathes such a new light into it, which I feel like is exactly what Reimagine wanted. And I think that that really set up the framework for how to continue forward and how they really wanted to put the playwright at the center of the process. Um, and yeah, I remember I, I didn't get my call. I am, a, oh, my schedule is very not fun sometimes, especially in this last year, which has just been chaos. You know, this last two years have just been chaos. And when you're trying to do theater, when you're trying to do educational theater and you can't be in schools um, and, you know, we had to switch completely into digital worlds, but schools weren't ready. So, so it was just constantly changing. Um, so to kind of have that chaos, I had the same chaos of like writing at home and I actually wound up spending since we were working virtually, I wound up spending five months um, at home in San Diego and much of that was just writing (laughs) was just work all day, write all night, work all day, write all night, repeat. And, um, and I think that that helped kind of regain our sanity to have something to focus on something that was very meaningful. That was very much a part of like who I am, the stories that I wanted to tell um, and so, you know, just thinking back on that, too, it was like, wow, that this process helped me cope with a crazy world. Um, but, yeah, it was fun and exciting. And um, I can't even imagine a world where Sam and I didn't both get to do it. So I'm if glad. We don't have to I'd be like, that. how's no. it going, Ashley? Is it fun? <laughs> How is it? I hope you're having fun. Hey, Sam, you know, come to the panel discussion I'm having. It's going to be great. Yeah, I'd love to support. No, I will. I absolutely would have supported you. And I'm sure you would have supported me. And then we'd laugh about it. <laughs> you know, I, I, I love what you're saying about intentionality. And that seems like a good segue to talk about the project that you pitched and what it is that that both of you worked on with Reimagine. So who wants to take it first? Sam, Sam, take it away. Okay, I'll take it first. 
Yes. So, you know, my pitch was born almost around the same time as the applications opened up. So I had a very fresh idea as well. And the pitch I had was about a young boy named Devon who is split between his online world of video games and dragons and excitement and autonomy and middle school and the devastation that is middle school. And I wanted to tell the story of what I experienced in middle school and high school and um, college, where (laughs) your online identity and the friends you make in the metaverse is more real to you sometimes than the world that you walk into and the world that your parents need you to be paying attention to. So I pitched that and I pitched um, sort of how this is a, a space, a world, the metaverse itself. It's something that I have not seen on stage before, something that I don't see talked about a lot in plays or in most media targeted to kids, mostly because I think a lot of a lot of adults after a certain generation don't know the metaverse. They've never been there. They don't know how it works. <laughs> when their kids are talking about Fortnite and Roblox, they say, oh, uh, it's a video game. The kids love their games. The kids love their screens. And they don't really know what's going on inside those screens. Um, but that's the world I grew up in. That's the generation I grew up in. I grew up with RuneScape and Fiesta Online and World of Warcraft. So I grew up in this world. And another part of that inspiration was going out and touring. Pre-pandemic, we were in person with the kids. And after the show, the kids would love to come up to us and ask us questions, especially because our show that we were touring at the time takes place inside of a video game. So the kids would come up to us and ask us, do you play Fortnite? You know, what's your TikTok? And they would just want to, you know, (laughs) they would want to ask the actors how much we know about their world. And I noticed on my team, I was the only one that was like, yes, yep, mm -hmm, me too. Exactly. So I, I was like, what? I would love to see a play for young people about this world that really only we know um, and know and know well. So that was a big part of my pitch and a, a big part of uh, my story growing up. And I knew that that was going to be something that kids could relate to in this day and age. Wow. I remember hearing an early version of that um, or a scene in Idris's class. And Mabel and I talked afterward and I we both went, wow. <laughs> that uh, it was so compelling and exciting and well, thank you yeah and and i just i look forward to seeing it on me stage too. me too and <laughs> sam yeah. i think i told you because we were like in a in a in a small like in a breakout room together mm-hmm. in in class and i i have not stopped thinking about your play because that's my kid's world. Like that is, he has his online friends. And and I think it's really important for us as adults who may not have grown up in that world to recognize the value and not, you know, vilify, oh, video games and like this world and like, mm-hmm. you know, get away from that. But like he has like, I was so thankful during the pandemic that he had Roblox and Fortnite because that was a way, that was his lifeline to his social, his community. 
Right. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so I'm so excited for for your play. I can't wait to see it. Thank ah! you so much. I'm so excited for kids to see it, but I'm also really excited for adults to see it. Yes. Because yes. even working with the team that I worked with during the reimagine process, they have kids too, and mm-hmm. they said that multiple times. Just like, wow, this really opened my eyes to what my kids are so excited about that's inside those screens. Um, I think mm-hmm. it's the temptation to vilify because they spend so much time yeah, in these games and they don't want to do anything else. And sometimes it can even distract from homework and things like that. Right. So I think the temptation is to vilify instead of to understand and to see what they really are getting out of those screens. Cause it's not just flashing colors, it's community and it's yeah. autonomy and it's right. being able to go wherever you want, whenever you want and have your own money and do all of that in this, in this uh, virtual world. Oh, I love that. And I, I just have to co-sign, um, Sam is our resident, like gaming expert and all things <laughs> like social media. And I don't know what I would do without her because I'm not that much older than her, but I definitely feel it sometimes where I'm like, what, what is this? What's that? Who? What is it? What do we, what do we do with that one? And I'm like, oh my God, when did I get this? Old? And I'm like, oh, I can explain. <laughs> pog, pog means this. And it's when you do this and all these lingo. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm over here like taking what? notes, you know, like, okay, <laughs> and, and that goes to the what in the Fortnite, you know, I'm like, oh, I'm like my mother, this is a lot. I used to be hip and cool. What happened? Um, but no, I, th- you know, and I think Sam to kind of just something to your, to your story that I read that really resonates with me too. And we, in the way that we vilify and we do this work, you know, we see this in our work um, is like that difference of like the unknown and how much we vilify what is not common to us, what is not normal to us. Um, and then intergenerationally that usually spins around technology. Um, and that is why it is at the root of our, you know, our, our core program, which is the Healthy Eating Active Living program. Like, how do we get kids excited about making choices and um, around their own health, which is a very abstract concept for, for kids? Uh, well, we rooted in gaming <laughs> to get them in. You know, we hook them in with gaming. We hook them in with pop culture and references that they know. So I'm very excited for, for that. Play. I haven't even read the whole thing. Um, so I'm excited to see it and for, for students to, to see it because we see kids every day um, who see themselves in those characters just because we have like a gaming handle in front of it or we mention something offhand and it's like an immediate buy-in. Um, but in that similar vein of, of kind of speaking to what you need and the stories that you want to tell, for me... Um, I had been working for the past while um, in developing a children's book uh, about a girl called uh, Camille Leon, the hair chameleon. And um, with my mother, who is a, she's a, an art teacher, she's an art teacher for 30 plus years. Um, she's retired now, but I really wanted to do a story about a young girl and her mom and kind of all spinning around their Sunday morning hair time and how much their hair, her hairdo can be an expression of herself and her feelings. Um, so celebrating black hair, celebrating the story um, and the connection and identity of black hair and also just celebrating that time that you have between mothers and daughters doing their hair. So um, she and I have been working on that, trying to get that up. And so when I got the Reimagine post, um, it was like, oh, I wonder if I could kind of adapt this to something more than, than just this story. And it just kind of took off because at that time, you know, the end of last year was very hard for me. Um, 
the world that we were living in, being isolated in that pandemic, um, seeing a lot of racial unrest, seeing a lot of racial tension, microaggressions, even within my own workplace, um, from communities and faces and people that you feel connected and you felt like you know, you know, it really kind of things got turned on the head. So um, as a means of like processing and not wanting to, to only see black images as um, trauma, um, I was really looking for stories of black joy. And for me, um, those of you at home can't see me, but my hair is still like a very different colors of ombre braids. Um, I change my hair often. Uh, I use it as an expression of self and also as a way to occupy space and kind of stand out and, and be seen and be counted and be mat and, and matter, you know? Um, so I wanted to talk about the things that I was seeing in the world, the things that I was feeling um, and the way I wanted it to go. Um, and that's kind of how I came into the story of Kaleidoscope Crown, uh, which is about this young girl. It's a fantastical story. So it, it takes place in this fantastical village uh, where this young girl is the third line in her in her family that is of potential leaders. But the village is very traditional. It's very monochromatic. Everybody has a place. Everybody has a role. You don't step out of line. Um, and it is led by by her mother um, and then her grandmother, who was the former leader of the of the village. And one day she wakes up and her hair changes color with every big emotion she has. So she really has to figure out if she can step into her own authenticity and own this difference and stand out in her village. Or will she have to hide away these parts of herself in order to conform and go with her family? Um, and then through the decision of, of kind of leaning in to this new ability, she winds up changing her village for the better, making it a more colorful, more inclusive place. And so it's really at the heart of it around these kind of these three women, these three generations of black women, um, the experiences of like what it means and what it is to be a mother, a grandmother, a child, what it is to be a black woman, what it is to feel duty and honor and, you know, in the show, um, I use a lot of uh, West African and, and African diasporic references um, as far as the music and, and the terminology and stuff goes. But we always talk about doing it for the ancestors um, and, and kind of what that could be as a good thing. But then also the weight of what that is and what it means to represent a whole when you are just an individual. Um, so any person of color, I think, could really understand and identify with what that looks like. Um, and then what it looks like to just lead with curiosity and not judgment. Um, seeing people's differences as the things that connect us. So that's how I got to, to Kaleidoscope Crown. Um, you know, I was able to do, to do my workshop in St. Louis with the Center of Creative Arts, uh, which was just an incredible experience. Mm. Um, and and I'm very excited for for what's to come of that story too. It's just hearing you speak about it. I mean, it sounds like it is just a beautiful combination of of um, of the poetry of the words of music, a celebration, very celebratory and triumphant. I would really love to see it. Yes. And hopefully, 
<laughs> you will. Um, you know, we, we are in talks right now, um, you know, with, with the, the theater, it, which again, I can't, my gosh, Coca, if anybody out there from Coca is listening, mm-hmm. I love you all. Um, we had just an incredible, incredible experience in the community there um, and in the theater community too, you know, Metro Theater and their rep theater all mm. came together. They all came to my reading. Um, mm. We, you know, they really took stage reading um, and pushed it to its very ends. because We had music, we had our drummer, we had projections, we had costumes, we had LED light up hairs. Like, oh, wow. it was, oh, it, that's the photos amazing. are amazing. I know, was I was gonna good. say, I saw the production system, like, oh my gosh. Yeah, those were, that was full grown wow. What we did in five days, I was like, this is oh, ridiculous. That was in five days? Five days, yes. Wow. <laughs> It was wild. Oh, that is so cool. It was wild. Yeah. The our director, you know, Alicia Rive, like she's incredible. Our producer. Oh, I just I can't continue to speak enough highly about about Coca and the Coca Rights program and that family there. They definitely felt like family bringing the story of family together. So I mean, we had a confetti gun at the end. Like, yes, <laughs> that's what <laughs> everything is fine when you've got confetti. Confetti, that's right. That is right. <laughs> Oh my goodness. So okay, so so let's talk about the workshop experience. So when you went to St. Louis, um where was the script? Like how were were you like I've done several revisions and burn or were were you like where in what stage were you? Yeah. Um I maybe the week before <laughs> had gotten it to a place of like, there's a whole script. Here you go. <laughs> um, it was it was my goal. Um, and again, you know, with the process, you really set your own, you know, your own, your own process, your own framework. So for me, I gave myself the challenge. Um, I wanted a, you know, rehearsal ready script. And so there was a lot going on in life and at work. And so my like June deadline turned into like right smack up into October, you know, like right before I left. So, um, so I felt pretty, pretty good, um, about the rehearsal script and where it was. Um, uh, and then the, the week or two before, uh, we did a table read with the Coca rights program, which is the student side of, of the, development process and they have classes year round and they meet twice a week. And that was really one of the main reasons why I chose COCA was because of this program and the work that they do with students um, because then they would be involved in that process throughout the whole time. So it was really fun to do just a table read with kids like 10 to 17 and, you know, have the the grandmother being read by like this young boy, you know, (laughs) like 12 year old boy um, named Parker and he's reading BB's character. It was fantastic. Um, and so then when we got into the room that first day, uh, for the table read, uh, Coca has this brand new theater. I think they just opened it last year. And so I walked into their main theater with the, oh God, the lighting. I, I I almost started crying right then and there. I was like, oh my God, this is for me. This is crazy. Um, so it was really great, but yeah, I would say script wise, it was a good rehearsal script, Um, And then I made two edits throughout the week, um, like one midway through and then one right, just small things right at the end. And then I'm working on just one final based on the the feedback and the um, panel that we did at the end of the reading. Um, 
but I feel pretty good about where the script is right now. That's awesome. Congratulations. That's incredible. Thank you. (laughs) Sam, how about you? What theater did you work with and how was the workshop process for you? So I worked with Stage One Family Theater in Louisville, Kentucky. It was the best time of my life. (laughs) I met with uh, Kate Gibson early on during the sort of interview process just to get to know each other. You know, Reimagine really helped us connect with multiple different theaters that had shown interest in our show, um, in our plays individually and in us as playwrights. And as soon as I met her and was able to ask her questions about the community that Stage One serves, and um, obviously I knew their reputation in terms of developing new plays for TYA, but just asking more about their process and how they do things over there, it was very clear. It was very, very clear right then that um, that this was where my play was gonna was gonna thrive. So when I went off to Louisville, I had a draft that felt good. I had a, I had a good, I did it by myself type of draft. <laughs> the type of draft mm-hmm. where I knew that I could get in there and get the actors to read it. I, it has a beginning, a middle, and an end. But it was this feeling of this play is my little baby, but I'm also ready to give this baby over to people smarter than me <laughs> and maybe more talented than me and see what they say about this baby and then take the baby back and redo the baby. Uh, maybe this analogy isn't going anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> but I was, I, was, I was definitely ready to hand it over and just have someone, anyone rip it apart and tell me what's wrong with it. I was just like, help me make this better. And it was really easy to do with such an awesome group of very smart people and very professional people. I mean, Kate did such great work pulling in um, folks from Actors Theatre of Louisville and the University of Louisville. And uh, my dramaturg was a doctor, Dr. Jonas Segal, you know, <laughs> so all of these amazing people coming in to, um, to review my characters, to you know, ask about this particular moment in the story. How does this feed into the theme? Da, 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 da. Um, Overall, the process was really incredible and they brought in such amazing actors. And I think I rewrote every single night. Yep, I had rewrites every night um, just because we were really able in just that short amount of time because I was only there for five, five days in that short amount of time, we were really able to dive in and look at every single character arc and every single beat and find who needed more and who needed less of this and more of that in order to suit their purpose in this moment. And we were just able to dive in so, so, so deep that by the time the workshop was over and um, we also had a student group involved throughout the entire time. We actually started out with a um, with educational outreach by uh, having some students on Zoom and learning about what a new play workshop is. And then they got to be involved the entire time. And that was probably the best feedback I could have gotten was from the actual age group that I'm writing for. Um, designers were involved. We had amazing uh projection designers and uh, set designers and people were thinking about sound and it was amazing. It was really, really an awesome experience. And 
it took my play from what I thought was, you know, good <laughs> to something that I think a lot of people are going to be able to enjoy. And um, yeah, by the end of it, I was just so excited and I'm still so excited because I really feel like it's a really good play and it's mine. And I never say that about my own stuff, you know, <laughs> but I feel like because it had all this amazing professional help, it's like actually really good. So that's pretty cool. I mean, it was a really good play. What you shared with us was really good. So was, I think oh, I think you're definitely you're definitely underselling your abilities, even even before you got to the to your workshop. Well, thank people. you. Let's say that's that actually provide a lot, but yes. But. Thank you. Maybe it's so good that I don't even know how good it is. <laughs> it, I, I, I think it's so good you don't even know how good. I it hope is. so. I hope that's the case. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my. So, okay. So, um, what do you want the world to know? Like, this is like your, you know, we joke that we have, that we have three listeners, right? Our moms. Um, plus now, I think it's grown. Plus now the subtext podcast. Love that. <laughs> the host of the subtext podcast from American yeah. Theater. Um, mm-hmm. Love that. Uh, but, but actually I think we have a few more listeners. So what do you want the world to know about you as a creator, um, as a, a playwright um, of this particular piece? Like what is your like takeaway of like your mic drop, your pre mic drop moment, I guess. I know it's kind of, that's a lot of pressure. I don't Ooh, know. That's, I felt, I feel very warm. Yeah. All do, of a do what you want with that. Do what you want with this, with this time. <laughs> oh, that's so hard. Um, who, who am I as a playwright, <laughs> um, as a person, as an individual? Um, look, you know, I, I, I'm a person who thoroughly, thoroughly believes in the power of stories and the power of storytelling. Um, you know, I'm a black woman in this space, um, in this age, um, I have dealt with crazy to say the least. I have seen every ism under the books, you know? So for me, I'm always trying to, to lead from a place of, of grace and, um, a place of curiosity, you know, I'm constantly quoting Walt Whitman, you know, I'm always trying to stay curious because that's my biggest weapon um, is trying to listen um, because there's so much hate in this world. Right. And so I'm like, and, and a lot of hate that is, that is very much directed at bodies like mine. So I use stories to break through that. I use that for connection um, I use that as hopefully a lens to to see our humanity, to see our shared humanities. Um, you know, the only constant thing is change. So anybody that's coming from like this rigidity of um, I want to go back to some time that never actually existed. Um, I hope to use my voice and my power as a storyteller to bring people together. Um, and so, yeah, I, that, I, I don't know if there's anything like deeper or mic droppy, uh, that I can give in this moment. Um, but I, I come from a long line of storytellers and artists. Um, I have a really weird upbringing and background, um, a multitude of languages that kind of always circle and cultures that always circle me. So I definitely find like my own story, 
uh, is different. I'm, I'm a person who has felt othered through most of her life, you know, be it from people who look like me or don't. Um, finding community, finding a place uh, to be seen and heard and felt valued, uh, I think is a struggle for anybody in this world. Uh, and so for me, storytelling, you know, theater, film, I, I have a, a background in film as well. Um, these are the ways that I've learned to communicate with the world um, and to tell the stories that I didn't get to see growing up. Um, so yeah, stay curious, not judgmental. <laughs> That's what I got. <laughs> I feel like that was a significant mic drop moment. Actually, I also want to say that every time we we have been on Zooms together, you always say very profound things. Um, so I feel like you did not disappoint today. <laughs> I just want to say that even I'm yes. Every time when we've been on the reimagined Zooms, <sighs> yes. I just love, I do love our space. I love being around, like, like Sam says, I love being around people smarter than me, more creative than me. They're like, I just love what can happen in those spaces. And, and um, I'm just so inspired by the stories of our cohort. Like, it's just incredible. Yeah. And to think that, you know, we're just the tip of the iceberg. You know, we, there's so many more like us. There's so many voices out there. And I always just want to be in positions where I can be championing that. If it's not my own, it's going to be the Sam's of the world. It's going to be all of us, you know, I just want to create space for more equitable and inclusive work to be told, you know, that that is our norm. We are the global majority, you know, so so when we when I enter into spaces, I want to make sure that I'm entering in with that power because people are constantly trying to take my power from me. So. Yeah, I appreciate you saying that. Most people will be like, get off your soft, like your soapbox. Like, and I sit down for a second, take no. a break. <laughs> to keep those, those, those nuggets of wisdom, I appreciate them and I appreciate you. All right, Sam? Hmm. My mic droppy moment. I think, I think kids deserve good shows. I think kids deserve good theater. And I think the tendency is to assume that kids don't know what good theater is. <laughs> I think the tendency is to dumb down or to take the latest trend and personify it. But in truth, kids love good characters. They love good stories. And I think it's only fair that we do our best as theater makers to include them as the theater world moves forward, as we innovate and discover and start to include people that traditionally have not been included. I think it's only fair that young people get to experience that push forward in theater as well. So for me, also as a Black woman in this space and who was once a couple years ago, a black girl, <laughs> a couple years ago, maybe, I, maybe I'm exaggerating, but who was a black girl who didn't often see other black girls on stage and involved in theater and involved in theater for young people. I think it's so important to remember them and to think of them and to collaborate with people who were them in the sense that People say to write what you know, and I think it's so important to understand that 
whether it's between different cultures, different nationalities, different ages, there are things that only certain people can really tell the story of. And I think we're starting to understand that as a whole, as an industry in theater. But the reason I got so excited about writing for young people is because I noticed that there were some things that I knew that others didn't seem to know or else it would be on stage already. So I think I would really encourage anyone listening to collaborate as much as you can with people who are vastly different from you, who have completely different experiences and completely different generations, because you're probably going to find something that young people deserve to see on stage. And I think it's going to be fantastic for the next generation of theater makers who are coming to see these shows to get a head start on that story, on that timeline. I think that's my mic droppy moment. I, I love that advice. And I, and I want to underscore the, the hope and joy that, that you bring to your mic drop moment, because I think a lot of times we hear from theater makers disillusionment. And I think that um, that hearing your excitement for, for the future, the next generation of theater makers is, is really energizing and beautiful. So thank you. So thank you, Sam. It was so thank great you, to you. And like you saying that, it takes me back to the, the young actress in my play during this workshop. Um, I believe she was about 14. And um, she did the panel with us at the end. And the question was like, you know, why is it important to tell new stories, you know, new voices? And I'm, I come from the like, you know, it, if we're opening up our lenses, you know, like we're going to be able to see and be better empathetic, you know, people in this world and engage in our humanity. So I'm coming from this like kind of heady, you know, and she, she goes, the world is always changing. So shouldn't we tell changing stories? And I was like, get uh-huh. Yeah. It's that um, simple. Okay. Yeah, that's what it is. And I'm like that. It speaks to exactly what you're talking about, Sam. Like, you know, and in, in one of the posts that I did, I was like, the reason I love intergenerational stories is because I think that we should all be continual learners and that it, no matter what age you are, you are both in a position to learn and to teach. And, and I feel like if we can all move forward in that space, like, yes, I have stuff to impart on young people, but young people have a lot to impart on us. Mm-hmm. And I hope we can stay in that. Yes. Children make the best dramaturgs. Yes. That's what Ooh, I experienced yes. during my workshop. So <laughs> honest. I really experienced that. Mm-hmm. They're honest yes, and they're like, yes, they will yes. tell you. They will tell oh, you they will what's tell going yep. on, how middle school is now, because middle school was different. Yep. When went back when we were in middle school, you know, yes. back in your day, I'm like, back Whoa. in my day, calm down. <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> Which educational theater program do you work for right now? Sam, do you want to take this one? <laughs> I'll take this one. <laughs> we have a we have about a month of training in this conversation uh, with with our organization just to make sure that we can explain it correctly because it's so confusing to many, many people. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, so we work for Kaiser Permanente Educational Theater. Both of us are in the um, Southern California region. And uh, we take 
shows that have educational messages in them to schools all around Southern California and soon nationally. So that's really exciting. And we have multiple different programs underneath the Southern California umbrella. So Ashley is the director and I am a performer in two programs that we're touring at the moment. One is called The Password, which has educational messages of social emotional learning. And the other is The Amazing Food Detective, Game On, which has the educational messages of healthy eating and active living. They're both a lot of fun. The kids really enjoy them. We were touring them pre-pandemic in person, but we have switched over and adapted to performing over Zoom, Google Meets, as well as digital content. And it's been a hit. It's It's been a hit. The kids love it. We see about 500,000 kids a year throughout Southern California. Wow. And um, that's it's the best job wow. ever. It really is. It's so much fun. And we have a lot of great people, great theater makers, and they're amazing to collaborate with and to entertain with. Have either of you written the content for the touring shows? I wrote the content for, I co-wrote the content. We have our high school show as an STI prevention um, program. And we had, even before the pandemic, a web series that went in conjunction with our live theatrical show. Uh, And I wrote a few of the episodes for the web series. And then I've written several of the workshop components. So most of our programs have a main theatrical piece, which range between 35 to 45 minutes in length. Um, And then we have subsequent workshops. So for our Healthy Eating Active Living program, um, when we switched over to the virtual content, when we were live, we had two additional workshops that were done. Um, And I did write those live workshops. And then when we switched over to virtual, we wanted to create a longer stay in schools just so that we can figure out how to support them during that transition. Um, And so we've got three uh, workshop modules that that um, I wrote in conjunction with the team. You know, again, we're pulling from, um, you know, I've been working with Kaiser for over 13 years now. um, And and we've learned a lot on specifically developmentally appropriate content. So we do a lot of training around the different age groups, the, the brain development, um, how students are taking and learning information, different teaching um, techniques and tools, not just on the theatrical side, but specifically looking at social emotional learning, um, different learning styles. You know, if you are an audio or visual kinesthetic learner, introversion versus extroversion and ambiverts. So we take all of these elements decide on what are the educational messages that we can actually have impact on. That's how we choose kind of the overarching um, health messaging from Kaiser Permanente proper. So, you know, Kaiser Permanente is one of the largest healthcare organizations in the country and we cover a lot. (laughs) So when it comes to theater and our age groups, we really want to be specific and intentional about what we can actually move the needle on, where we can actually have the greatest impact um, so, you know, our, both of our shows are for fourth and fifth grade, uh, for the healthy eating, active living and for third through sixth grade for the social emotional health program, uh, which is the password. And that's very new. Um, and, 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 and switching over to our virtual content, it's given us, um, a wonderful opportunity, at least for me, again, I love filmmaking is like also at my heart. Um, and so we were able to basically shoot a 30 minute short film, uh, for this new program, 
uh, which was the first thing that we did together during the during the um, it, like in person uh, during the pandemic, which was a shock, you know, to the system because we've been <laughs> yes. out for <laughs> sixteen months you know, before coming back together. So, wow. Yeah, it's 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 pretty amazing. It's the place that it's this hidden gem that even a lot of people who work for Kaiser Permanente don't realize that we have mm-hmm. this program. We've been around for 35 years this year. Wow. Yeah. And um, we've got eight different programs. So everything from literacy promotion, conflict management, bullying awareness. Um, we have resiliency in schools uh, for our teachers. Uh, we've got uh, social and emotional health for lower elementary and for upper ele- uh, for high school students and an STI prevention program as well for high school students. So uh, if someone wants to get involved or to book one of the programs, if you will share that in the show notes. Absolutely. Yeah. Our yeah. website, uh, it's, you, they can book programs straight through our website. And then if there are actors out there who, who'd love to get involved in audition for us, um, because of the pandemic, we haven't been holding auditions right now because everything's been right. kind of up in the air. But uh, we see folks year round and we usually do one large um, hiring each year. Um, so we can definitely include that information. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Awesome. And of course, links to the T-Way Reimagine Conference. Yes. And yes. if you, with your personal websites or socials, we'll share those as well. So that if you want to be found, you can be found yeah. on social media. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Cool. Okay. So Tori, take it away for our asking All for right. a friend. Here we go. Okay. If you could live in one fictional universe, which one would you choose and why? Easy. Wakanda. <laughs> Please. Nice. <laughs> Please and thank you. Oh, my gosh. Um, it is everything of Black excellence and exciting and futuristic and, and power and love and joy um, and the legacy of Chadwick Boseman. So I would I would love to. At least visit. Can I get an invite to Wakanda? Mm-hmm. Marvel, are you Come listening? On. I would Do love it. you see it. my lip tattoo? <laughs> I know you can't see it on the podcast, but I absolutely, definitely Do you have a lip have tattoo? A lip ta- no, I don't. Don't tell oh. them that, though. I want, I want them to think that, it's, that I'm from Wakanda because they can't see me. So I just want them to believe. Oh, my gosh. Oh my Costumes, like everything. everything. That is... I'm a huge cost. Like I would love to just every day is Halloween. Like it would be great. Um, I would just dress up as every. Mabel, we need to tag Marvel <laughs> again. <laughs> we we, ta- we we tagged them for for two podcasts ago with uh yeah we did Ahmed, so with Ahmed yeah we're mm-hmm. gonna get them to listen. Hey. We're gonna get your invite to Wakanda. I'm just trying to get an invite. Just put me in the background. <laughs> me too. Me, me one too. Of the, like army. Suits. I'll shave yeah, my head. Go. I'll shave my head. Let's go. <laughs> I can do another big shop. <laughs> How about you, Sam? Mine's also quite easy. I would live in the universe of Avatar The Last Airbender and The Legend of Korra. I'm an earthbender. Yes. I have been I for who knows how long, but I was born an earthbender, and I just can't believe that I can't use my powers here in this universe. So if I could quickly switch over to theirs, I would be thrilled. I love that. I would also let me know if I can get that invite. I'm more yeah. of the air. I'm more of an air. You're, so. I feel that. I feel that. Yeah. I feel your air you do, bit. don't you? Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> it's real. It. It's deep. It's deep. Yeah. Yeah. We could team up though. We could team up. Exactly. Mm-hmm. 
it's gonna be great. Also, tag us in that. <laughs> Let's see. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tag okay. us in the upcoming the upcoming reboot. <laughs> yes. Yeah, in the background. Yep, yep, yep. I'll hold some rocks in the background. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well. Now, uh, now that we've we've given our listeners something to think about, now let's give them something to write about. So, um, does anybody have a writing prompt? So, I'm gonna pass down a writing prompt from one of my first, yeah, one of my first playwriting teachers ever, the incomparable in in in. in see, am I really a writer if I don't? If I don't know how to say certain words. Um, <laughs> That's a hard yes. That's a, okay, okay. <laughs> I, I would like to pass down a, a writing prompt from one of my first playwriting teachers, Octavio Solis. And mm. I was very lucky mm. to take his class in Mabel. <laughs> look everyone's mad at me for name dropping excuse me excuse me Listen. that's that's kind of one of those things that you lead with yeah, oh sorry uh, gosh i just didn't think about it you know because we're just best um, friends so i you know it's just right, so, so, we're, it's so we're, average we're tagging me, you know? Please. oh my gosh <laughs> i think you'll be thrilled i think you'll be thrilled but i would like to pass this one down because um <laughs> this is a this is a prompt that he gave me that really helped me unlock my writing in a sense. Um, if he is listening, maybe he'll remember that when I first took his class, I just couldn't get anything on the page. I, I could only stare at the page and try and think of something that would be good to write. Uh, but with this prompt, he really helped me through it, which was awesome. And the prompt is very simple. It's a very simple prompt. Just, this is what he would say. Close your eyes, and in front of you, there's a cabin. It's familiar. You go inside, you look around, the fireplace is going. What else do you see? There's stairs on the left, and they head to the attic. You go up the stairs, you open the door, you're in the attic, you turn to the corner, and someone is sitting there. They look up at you and they start talking. Who are they and what do they say? That's the prompt. I don't know who would be in my attic. I'd be like, what are you doing? There you go. My... Write it. <laughs> write it. Yeah, I got nervous. That's why I okay, write it. What is sitting there? I went, that, oh. Whatever your instinct to that is, whether it's, you know, it could be anything, but write it and that can really send you down a path. So, Thank you, Octavio, mm. for that. Thank you. Thank you, bestie. Octavio Solis. And it's so funny <laughs> because... Solis be my bestie? <laughs> we can all be friends. Working on it. <laughs> I, um, we asked him, me and the rest of the playwriting class, we all asked Octavio after the class was over because he had given us so many prompts, so many writing prompts and exercises. Uh, we asked him, where do you get these? Do you find them online? Did you read them in a book? And he's like, you know... And Octavio is this kind of person. He goes, you know, I kind of, I kind of just made them up as we were going along. I kind of, and we were like, Octavio, <laughs> like you, we think he's the, you know, this profound, like he's got all of this deep knowledge. He's just making it up. That's, that's, yeah. that's amazing writing to me. That's a metaphor for a lot of things too. So yeah. Trust yourself. Mm -hmm. Trust mm -hmm. your instinct. Mm -hmm. okay. mm -hmm. Good pushing. 
I love that, Sam. Thank you. Even though my first instinct was like, who's in my house? Write it. (laughs) Yeah. Can't wait to explore that. Um, Yeah. I love this. Um, So Sam was all ready to go with her best friend, Octavio's um, prompt. (laughs) And, um, you know, I was telling them earlier, I was like, you told me to to be ready for this. And I surely was not. So (laughs) um, I'm going to see what comes out of my mouth. And I'm really going to take it back to kind of the things that I'm reading. Um, right now. And I am deep in um, See No Stranger. Uh, so like the Revolutionary Love Project um, by Valerie Cower. And if you don't know out there, please know, look it up. Um, we can hopefully drop that. I'm now I'm acting like that. We'll put that in the notes too. We will. Yeah. <laughs> we will. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it just, again, looking at things that can heal us right now, you know, during this very volatile time. Um, looking for how we stand in resilience and how we stand in connection. And then I found a great deal of solace in her words and her work and now reading her memoir, which kind of gives the framework of this idea about revolutionary love. And, and it's, you know, love for yourself, love for others and love for your opponents and how we look at this change. She, she equates it to this um, like midwifery, you know, the transition that we're in is like the transition of labor and what we actually have to do to breathe through that transition. And so the thing that always makes it difficult for me specifically at this time is, is what does it actually take to love your opponent? What does that actually look like? So um, my prompt would be that, you know, for folks, what does it look like to love yourself? What does it look like to love others? And what does it look like to love your opponent? Mm. Snap. I'm not this deep, you guys. This is why I just reference Ashley, other people who are, uh, who are so not again. I don't know what Ashley's Ashley talking about. Again. We will be in meetings. <laughs> we will be in meetings and Ashley just comes out with some deep stuff and we're just used to it at this point. You know? Like Ashley's just always like spitting good stuff. And we're just like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Another day. Another, Another day. day. <laughs> Sam is right there with, I mean, this was literally us. This last year has been like reading books together in community, in conversation, Mm. trying to process the world so that we can tell stories to help our students process the world around them, right? Like that's what we've been, keep ourselves sane so that we can try to impart some sanity on and some tools um, on others. Uh, But Sam is right. I'm always like, you guys, did you read this thing? (laughs) And we're like, yeah. Have you heard this? Oh my gosh, did you hear this? We're like, word, actually. Like, <laughs> we all powwow. It's a good time over here at Kaiser Permanente Educational Theater, Southern California. Book us at ET, Southern California. <laughs> What's our website, Ashley? We'll link We you. haven't. Also, we didn't tell the greatest thing. You know, we, we serve um, school systems, and so we are completely free. Yeah. I just want to make sure that we oh, say that out. No all no of our shows what? are completely free. Are you, are you based in L.A. then? Mm-hmm. We're, you, we're based in LA. You, we travel from San Diego up to, to Car- oh Kern my, County, um, uh, Coachella Valley to Oxnard. Oh my gosh. Yes. Okay. All right. Yes. Yeah. And we've All been doing department. a few, yeah, national events as we we're, we're in transition right now of, of kind of establishing an, a national, we have different educational theaters in, in Northern California, um, mm-hmm. Georgia, Colorado, uh, mid-Atlantic wow. up in the Northwest as well. And Hawaii. Um, and we're kind of in transition right now to create a national branch. So 
in in the spirit of that, you know, over these past years, we did um, last year about this time we did a national a virtual event where we produced uh, three of Idris's plays, the his free play series. Um, so we did a virtual, uh, you know, again at the time where we really needed to get black stories, black voices out mm-hmm. there and celebrate and talk about these nuances and give people a platform to start having these conversations. So we brought in um, his work there. Then we had him on a panel earlier this year um, in March uh, for the second iteration of Voices of Change, which I expanded into um, a, basically a celebration of, of Black history as American history told through um, artists, activists, writers, um, and, and musicians throughout history. Um, which Sam was in a few of those pieces. I as got well. to be in it. Mm, she was. Oh, fuck me. <laughs> so we're so yeah, awesome. we're definitely starting to do more more virtual like national events. Um, but yeah, a lot of all of our info is on the website, and um, we're doing a lot more specialized um, events right now. We're very adaptable. Uh, we want to be able to meet people where they are during this time. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Oh. That's- and for anyone in the uh, Northern California region, um, we also have a uh, Northern California Department of Kaiser Permanente Educational Theater. But also, if you don't want to see something educational and you just want to go have some fun at the theater with your kid, <laughs> uh, I am also in the writer's room of the Bay Area Children's Theater. And there's a new original musical coming out in February. So go see it. Pew, pew, it's called- pew. The Imaginaries. Go check it out. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, very awesome. cool. Very cool. That's awesome. The uh, the book we we also wrote a comic book to go with it. You know, it, it's uh, going through the library. No right big deal. Uh, no big deal. Fun. So uh, pick up the comic book as well. <laughs> that is so cool. All right, we will definitely put that information in the show notes as well. Yes. 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 Oh my gosh, this has been such a great conversation. Yes. Thank you both so much for for spending time with us. Ah, I can't wait to see I can't wait to see your panels, but I can't I also can't wait to to see your shows. I they sound amazing. Um I'm already thinking about future conversations that we're going to have. <laughs> Yeah, we want to see yours too. I think we yeah. all come back after we've all had our first production, you know, of the shows that yes. we did for Reimagine. Mm-hmm. And come back and talk about that experience too. Oh my gosh, totally. I love uh, a reunion tour. Yes. yes. Let's do <laughs> that was so much fun. Okay. I know you're not supposed to have a favorite child, but. <laughs> I think that may have been one of my most favorite conversations. And again, you're not supposed to have a favorite child. You just love each of them well, differently. Listen, but <laughs> I think what what were we saying? Ashley and Sam need to have their own show. What I'm imagining is how much fun it must be to be in their office working oh with them. Yes. Uh, yeah. Obviously, Ashley has created a safe place, and it, it just seems like a fun, like two wonderful human beings, and seems like a great work environment. They are gifted artists, and 
my God. So we're looking forward to the Ashley and Samantha podcast. <laughs> the Ashley and Sam podcast coming in 2022. We hope a girl can dream, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I would totally be listening to that. Me too. <laughs> like we mentioned at the top of the show, check out the conference. We'll put the information in the show notes as well as um, the blurbs on the plays on Ashley and Sam's plays. Um, and you can check out all the other plays for the other grantees. Like I said, and you know what? It's TYA, Theater for Young Audiences. But really, I would say Theater for Young Audiences and All Ages. So you know what? Theater for All Ages. So it's TYAA. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm going to say. Because really, the, the, the shows are they are shows to be enjoyed by by everyone it's not it's not just for kids and who's taking the kids to the theater right as as our pal idri says the kids don't drive themselves right that is correct so tori thank Mabel. you for your time thank you for Con your time oh my goodness congratulations congratulations to you too i mean i'm so proud and I can't wait to see what's going to happen with your play and the rest of these plays. Thank you, Tori. But I also have to say this. <laughs> you have been such a huge part of this process. So I just I just want you to know that. That that I I value you as a dramaturg, as a creative collaborator, clearly as a friend, obviously, obviously. <laughs> um, you're always my first reader. So, mm, you know. Same. So, so yeah. So I heart you, Tori. <laughs> <sighs> Me too. I'm honored. Same. Same. <laughs> same. All right. Enough of this corniness. Let's, uh, let's get Sorry. crass again. If you're still listening, please give us that star rating. Follow us on Instagram. Follow us on all the socials. There you go. We finally, I'm, I'm getting the hang of Twitter, except I need a, I need somebody to check my grammar. <laughs> my bad. All right. Enough. Good night, Tori. Good night, Mabel. <laughs> Good night, world. <laughs> Good night, playwrights. <laughs> <laughs> and Good night, moon.